G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. As we do on a Thursday, we like to take things a little deeper and get the thoughts, the insights of Charles Newington, who is the National Director of Family Voice Australia, a fabulous organisation. Uh, they're in the battle when it comes to the issues that are shaping our culture. And Charles back with us. Hi, Charles. Welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Good morning. Charles, let's start with something that, you know, for a lot of listeners, there'll be a little uh, conflict. And this idea of, of course, Cardinal George Pell, and uh, he has lodged his appeal uh, in the High Court. And, uh, of course, uh, the issues that are at hand are quite significant. Uh, You've been thinking about this quite deeply through the week and uh, with the idea even that uh, it's not just George Pell who is on trial uh, with this appeal to the High Court, but also our entire system of justice on trial. What are your thoughts? Yes, thank you, Neil. Uh, I was reading an article by Chris Merritt in The Australian and the title was The System of Justice on Trial and... So I'm not the only one that's thinking (laughs) about Mm. this, but there are others too that are concerned that what's actually uh, going on here is that it's escalated from uh, not just uh, a a case of whether Cardinal Pell is innocent or guilty, but it's now the very system of justice itself. How How judges come to their decisions relative to the principles of law that have sustained our civilization for centuries. And the issue is this, one of the reversal of the principle of innocence until proven guilty beyond reasonable doubt. And the person who's now defending uh, the Cardinal, uh, a um, uh, State Council, Brett uh, Walker, very highly regarded man, he's making the case that the two judges um, in the, the Victorian Court of Appeal case uh, botched the case not just on the facts but on the law and he claims that the judges reversed the onus proof they required that the cardinal had to prove his innocence beyond reasonable doubt rather than the prosecution having to prove that his guilt beyond reasonable doubt and this is seems to be a fine point but it's a major point of departure in legal principle and all of us rely upon the fact that if we go into an Australian court, there's an assumption of our innocence. And uh, so th- this this is a, a huge issue. <laughs> there, there are major, major um, personalities at risk in this business, you know, great judges and great... Uh, um, you know, great barristers that are that are discussing something that's absolutely fundamental to how we execute judgment and justice in our society. Well, something that doesn't often get mentioned here, and uh, just to raise this with you, Charles, uh, the idea that George Pell hasn't been relieved of his office as cardinal by the Vatican. 
And there is a sense here in which you might read between the lines, the Vatican's made its own assessment of the way that justice is being delivered here in our Australian courts. And I imagine that if the Vatican had made a decision here and gone through all of the uh, issues at hand and uh, found that uh, there's no way that their man uh, might be off the hook, uh, that they would have uh, they would have dumped him a little while ago. Uh, but they've held steady and he still has that status of cardinal. So I guess you've got a lot of people who are looking at this from a legal perspective and coming up with the same sort of idea that we're talking about today, that uh, there's an issue here with our justice system. No matter what you think about George Pell and... Uh, whether he has done an abominable crime in pedophilia, mm. Mm. Uh, this whole issue of our justice is on trial. Yes. Uh, this is not a question of whether he's innocent or guilty anymore. Uh, of course, that's still in the mix. And uh, uh, the, the, the thing that I, I'm suggesting to people today is that this is a very symbolic case because it's like um, there are ideological judges in our society these days. You know, they're, they're, they're the kind of... Um, um, elites uh, who are making judgments. Uh, they are acting as judge and jury in our society and they've made a decision that those who oppose the new cultural norms are guilty and the role of the court is to sentence them. So they've created this this um, uh, understandable kind of cultural mindset now that um, that e- even if Ipel isn't guilty personally the catholic church is guilty and he's the head of the catholic church and so so you know the the the, the kind of the, the the cultural wisdom is now um you know the judges must sentence them because the rest of societies have found them guilty found him guilty charles how is this linked to some of the other issues that are going on in the nation now the way things are changing from what we might see as common sense ways to deal with say issues of science and uh, i mentioned earlier in the introduction that we might be talking through some issues today with uh, climate science but there's some uh, academic issues at play here. You've been talking uh, just of recent times this past week and thinking through these issues. So what are your thoughts on these other developments around uh, what happens with the way people think about what's true and what's changing? Yes, well, uh, listeners are no doubt aware of the fact that there's a United Nations Climate Summit uh, starting on the 23rd of September, which is just a, a day or two after our Prime Minister meets um, uh, President Trump. And um, uh, he, our Prime Minister has made the decision that he will not stay for that uh, uh, for that summit, but that we have to we have somebody that represents us there. But the point being, the reason one of the reasons is because we we are kind of banned from that, banned from speaking, banned from participating as a nation, um, uh, and uh, and it comes up in in this um, academic website, the conversation. And that the, this this academic website that, that that represents a conversation between 250 news outlets that are covering climate now and that are kind of preparing the mindset, the global mindset for this this summit, and their decision has been to ban publication of comments that dispute man-made climate change, and they'll lock the accounts of readers who attempt to post dissenting views. So they've kind of made this decision that that, that climate change is is uh, is now it's not just a change it's a crisis and and it's man-made that's the conclusion they've made and therefore 
There's no discussion anymore about this. The science has proved it. And, uh, you know, we can't have any dissenting voice. So we're actually going to uh, we're going to lock out climate deniers in this in this um, climate change deniers in this conversation. And I, I feel that that's an, uh, an example of um, um, of the way in which when you stop, uh, you know, they, it's ironically called the conversation, you know, but they've they've sort of siloed who who can speak and what they can talk about. And so here we find ourselves with uh, this trend going on in society that the elites, the academic elites, they, they, have, they are now God. They have the ultimate word on it. And uh, fascinatingly, um, there was a, an article, uh, this is just coincidentally, I, I was reading a, a, an article that, uh, that was, uh, that's reporting on work done uh, by uh, 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 Pierre Azoulay, who's a professor of uh, MIT in, in Massachusetts. And he's he's a, he's actually an, a management consultant type, you know, that features on economics. And he's been looking at the economics of science. You know, who funds uh, scientific research and why they fund it? That's his special interest. And he he observes that um, that science benefits from the death of its um, great luminaries that dominate the 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 scientific landscape because. While they're there, nobody else gets a look in. No other opinions get a look in. No other research takes place. And and uh, he, he cites the Planck principle that scientific advancement is much more about generational change than individual scientists changing their mind. It's as if even in the great minds, the great uh, intellectuals and ed- highly educated people, there is groupthink taking place. And uh, that, that groupthink results in very narrow levels of research and very narrow narrowed levels of conversation about what is deemed to be the important issues. And this certainly appears to be the case in climate science these days, that there's a powerful generational groupthink mentality that's, that's dominating the discussion and, and there's no room for dissent. So science is not science as we know it, but because of this idea that you're talking about groupthink, the idea that an an ideological position will shape the way the group thinks and therefore shape the way the science looks. And no doubt somebody's benefiting that, from that financially, and that may be the uh, big academic institutions, uh, universities, uh, playing that for all it's worth because obviously it's worth big dollars if you're, if you're, if you're on a particular party line. Is that the sort of thing that eventuates from this type of uh, group think? Uh, yes, uh, because there are economic interests and there are ideological interests that drive the economic interests. You, you know, the people that give the money, they've got, they've got a point to prove or they've got an end in mind. And uh, we're constantly finding this happening. Um, and I, I think it's got to do with the fact that as a society, one of the great shifts has been the shift away from absolute truth about the search for what the truth really is rather than, you know, the Stalinist position of um, politically correct truth, you know, what the truth is that fits with our political ideology. And, uh, and, and that shift is, is really working its way out across, across uh, you know, the global, uh, the global mind. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's highly dangerous. It's highly dangerous. But it really does reflect the, the wind back or the denial of the, of the authority of um, of God uh, as he is revealed to us in scripture and that's 
that's um, that's at the base of it because the great societies that once determined what truth is they they were very conscious of the fact that that science's responsibility uh, so too is religions and politics was to make sure that we acted within within the bounds of the truth of course we never we are human beings we we we, ne- we always only approximate to that but we but it must be the compass you know what is the truth here and so in the matter of the, the climate science, I, I don't doubt that climate change is underway. The question is, uh, how much is, is um, man-made impact having? How much is it, is it having? And how do we, how do we identify that and, and deal with it in a responsible manner? And th- this summit, for instance, is, is, is saying, of course, it, they're calling it a crisis. But what they're doing is they're deferring responsibility, China's responsibility, India's responsibility to deal with their impacts on on the uh, on the climate. You know, with their huge um, uh, uh, their huge uh, um, uh, atmospheric impacts, um, the, 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 they're not responsible. They don't have to do anything. The West has got to mitigate the the impact of their industrialization. Uh, in, in what they want now is trillions of dollars rather than billions of dollars. So when people get, they set themselves free from the cultural foundations, uh, and you might even have some debate over here uh, of truth, but what we're talking about today is even how you define that truth. And of course, as Christians, we've got a wonderful foundation in being able to define that truth. But if you've got a culture moving away from God and detached from that idea of uh, how you find truth, then you've got uh, a culture that could be denying all sorts of things. So just the climate change issue here, Charles, might just be one of many things uh, that are yeah. being uh, disputed in this way and not with truth foundations, but uh, ideologically driven by people who are uh, elites, as you say. What else in the culture do you think we might be denying? Well, you know, when... When you start this pathway, when you start away from answering the question, what does God think? Who is God? And, and what is his view of humanity? And how does he expect us to conduct ourselves? And um, what are the great institutions like uh, family and marriage about? And how does government operate within the bounds of its relationship to God? When you, when you deny that, then, you know, you're walking away from the light and you've got to try to find another form of, of God. And usually... That becomes the state, or it becomes power, or, or money. You know, these things t- they take the place of God, and they are the ones that have the the maximum push. And uh, uh, and the leverage now is not so much a moral leverage, even though they'll use that word. It's it's more um, you know an economic or a power issue. And I think that you know the questions we're not ask, answering is things like what 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 else are we denying? We're we're sort of denying what's actually happening in an abortion. We're denying what's happening in voluntary assisted suicide. You know, we're denying what's actually happening in family life. Um, these these great things that uh, that that were part of what we might call the old balance. You know, the old balance or the the, the biblical balance is that that there's a, God places a certain value on humanity and He places a certain value on marriage and a certain value on family and a certain value on the state. He places a certain value on that. Once you do away with God. You do away with all those values, and you, they're all up for grabs. And you, you you go through this this period that we're in now. We're in this deep cultural transition where we're renegotiating 
um, everything. Uh, and it's making for um, uh, a very difficult life because we, we're losing our old equilibrium. And now they're trying to find a new equilibrium, how we rebalance rights, for instance. And, and all in the name of uh, progressive values. And uh, this is a real stark reminder of a difference here in what we might call a progressive value system uh, compared to a conservative value system that sees people as valuable, uh, the rights of the unborn child, the rights of the elderly, and as you mentioned, the issue of euthanasia, and then even the way the family is constructed. All of these things become up for grabs when it's yeah. not so much that the people are valuable, but the economic pressures, the finance that's all involved in the way change happens. As uh, I think you've been thinking through issues, uh, just in simple things like the family home, which used to be able to be paid off by one wage, but hey, with all of the new changes, uh, you need two wages to actually meet that basic mortgage payment. Yeah, so there's a cost when you shift. You shift one thing, you know. Like for instance, of course, we we I'm a firm sort of supporter of of women having you know a full participation in in society. But, but there's a cost to it, uh, and, and, the, and it's like there's only a certain amount of capital. You know, it's like, like the, 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 in, the, in the atmosphere, there's only a certain amount of oxygen, there's only a certain amount of water, there's only a certain amount of material in the, in, in our, on our planet, and we have to share that evenly, and, 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 and every now and again you get a redistribution of, of, uh, of, um, of power or a redistribution of rights. And the thing is... That means that if you're giving rights to one group, you're taking rights from another. And sometimes that, that's very important because some people have, have got, an, they've got more than their share of power or more than their share of rights. And, and it's a good thing to try to redistribute it and try to get a sort of an evenness. Um, but the, the, the challenge is that there's a, there's a, that conflict is, is, is uh, <laughs> you know, it usually means that there's an overcorrection <laughs> and then you, you have to kind of swim back or find, find the middle balance points. And I guess there's a challenge there in how you recover those rights, how you recover a foundation of truth. And uh, I think these conversations we have each week, Charles, uh, go a little way to helping uh, listeners uh, to understand that there is a battle that is at hand. Uh, of course, you know, some will say there's a spiritual battle going on as well. And, of course, I believe that would be the truth. But there's an awful big battle that comes with the ideas that are presenting themselves that set themselves up against the wisdom of God in all of this. And we know the wisdom of God has a wonderful foundation and is a blessing to individuals and to families. And uh, it's being forgotten right now. Uh, appreciate you, Charles, and the good work that you do with uh, your wonderful organisation and uh, Family Voice Australia. Uh, you'll find articles, you'll find resources on the Family Voice website. And uh, Charles Newington, always appreciate your great insights each week when we have these conversations. Let me point people to familyvoice.org.au uh, to connect with Charles, to connect with some of the good initiatives uh, that Family Voice is involved in. Charles Newington, thanks so much for joining us today on 2020. Oh, thank you again, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. 
Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.